Hi, I'm your host, Connor Byrne, and welcome back to That's What I Call Marketing, the podcast where you will hear from the leading lights in the marketing world and listen to their unique stories. The new year is always a time when we think about our careers, goals, development plans. So what better time to have author of the number one leadership book for marketers, The 12 Powers of a Marketing Leader, Thomas Barta, join me for an episode. For his book, Thomas carried out the world's largest study involving over 68,000 assessments on what makes for a successful change leader. Before writing his book, Thomas had a marketing leadership role at Kimberly Clark, Kleenex, before becoming a partner of McKinsey. As a dean of the firm's highest rated internal program, Thomas trained over a thousand McKinsey leaders on driving change without authority. Thomas has given hundreds of change keynotes and masterclasses for companies, associations, and universities, including Adobe, Cisco, Google, IBM, SAP, and Advertising Week, and is the leading dean of the Marketing Academy CMO Fellowship and an honorary fellow of the Marketing Society. After seeing Thomas speak a few years ago, I sent him a note and was delighted he agreed to spend some time with me on That's What I Call Marketing. And today we chat about Thomas's path into marketing, how being good at marketing is only part of the job we have as marketers. We talk about the tools we need to manage in this world and to be effective, how to get ideas through an organization and the importance of operating in the value creation zone. I hope you enjoy this episode. Thomas, thanks so much for joining me on That's What I Call Marketing. Great to have you. Thanks for having me. Well, listen, as I was um, saying in my introduction, you've had, you know, an incredible career. And as I kind of meeting people for this podcast, I'm kind of reflecting that there's, there's kind of two types of people I'm meeting. People who have kind of fallen into marketing and then people who fell in love with marketing at a young age. And it was always something they wanted to do. And I'm, I think I'm right in saying you fall into the second category, the people that loved marketing, loved advertising from a young age, and it was something you you always wanted to do. That's right. Uh, when I was six, I was uh, singing all the ads, and my parents got really nervous, and I felt like, goodness, this this child is not going to develop well. And I was like, <laughs> I want to become a marketer. My parents said, no, get a proper job. And then kids do what parents tell them not to. So I became a marketer, became a chief marketing officer or marketing director at the time for Kleenex in Europe, and then I really hated it. Because, no, I, I love marketing, but I felt that why is finance making the decisions? And we know customers. So I quit because I thought if I join McKinsey, I can tell the CEOs how marketing really works. Yeah. Only then to learn that they already knew that. And what's interesting, when, when you sit in the boardroom with, when I sat in the boardroom with marketers, non-marketers, you kind of saw who got Get, who gets their way. And many times it wasn't the marketers, it wasn't the finance people, the operations people. And I was a dean. One of my hobbies at McKinsey was to be a dean of the internal leadership program, the global program. And you know what we're teaching people there? Influence without authority. Mm. And I felt, you know what? That's what my marketing clients would need. So I quit McKinsey because McKinsey thought it was a really good idea, but not for them. Okay. And yeah, I did indeed what became the largest ever study on the success of marketers globally. And this is where I am now. So helping marketers through the keynotes I do mostly through the writing and through the marketing leadership masterclass, 
become influential inside firms because I think that's what we need, especially uh, it's 2022. It's mm-hmm. becoming well, it's soon have 2023 is a very special time in marketing. So we need more influence than ever. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think influence is, is a huge thing that we, we all definitely need. I, I want to ask you one question before we move on about your experience and kind of that when you were younger and as you say, singing the ads and, you know, I wonder a bit about, I've, I've young kids, 12, nine and, and six. And I, and I wonder a bit about them because they don't sing the ads. I mean, I'll tell you what ad they sing is the just eat ad, right? They know that jingle. They know that, right? Mm-hmm. But is there, you know, I, I do wonder, is there enough kind of brilliant advertising out there for kids to enjoy? Like I remember ads from my childhood and people bring them back up. I was like, I remember that. I remember <laughs> that. And, and there's associations with a happy childhood in some ways. Like, do you think we're missing that or, or do you think there's enough of it? I mean, just eat is a good example of someone doing it brilliantly. Yeah. I think. Well, it's, it's, it's well, when you think, how does advertising work, right? If you get, if you have a very compelling message, um, it makes active advertising effective. If that message is also extremely creative, right? The effectiveness of an ad will go through the roof. The question is, do we have enough of that? Yes, effective message, table stakes, but yeah. executed in a very creative way for for this to be super effective. And I think that's where we are lacking a little right now because p- people are hedging their bets. And, and very few people dare things right now in advertising. You remember when Direct Line, you know, brought mm. the, the fixer yeah. <laughs> ads, right? Which like was very controversial internally, but but then people did it. Um, or you know, even the KFC UK ad or UK Ireland ad when they were running out of stock. It was controversial internally, right? And it was so creative and so successful. So we need more people who dare to take risks. Yes. Um, but at the same time, get the effectiveness basic right, because you can be very creative and very ineffective. So that makes we need more of. And I think that's when kids will start to sing the ads again. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's fascinating. I li- and we came up recently, we were talking, we had we had no Wi-Fi in the house for two weeks. And the kids like were forced to watch TV. <laughs> they were like... It was terrible. We had all these ads. We kept seeing the same ad, the same t- over and over again, and they were awful. So anyway, just a reflection as you talked about your your early memories. And um, one of the things in the book, early on in the book, you you say, uh, and I hope I get this correctly, but top management should respect and look to you, so you as marketers, as it makes key decisions, um, but things don't always work that way. So is it that marketers just aren't failing at marketing or, but they're just failing getting traction traction in this key area. Yeah, and, and and thanks for quoting in a way. That's very nice. In fact, that's the first two pages of the, the 12 powers of a marketing leader, which I may say is still the only leadership book for marketers. Uh, we, we wrote literally the first one. Um, there are lots of leadership books. There are lots of marketing books. There are lots of books that talk about this, but nobody really bothered to think about how marketers survive in turn. So we did that and then we felt, you know, we'd probably create a trend and we haven't. So <laughs> for some reason, no, but, but it's very interesting, right? Many marketers, when you talk to people in marketing, you hear that they have very good ideas. You hear they have the yeah. heart in the right place and marketers know customers. And it's weird 
their top management doesn't look to them and say, you know, we're going to decide this. You're going to come or tell us what you think. They just sometimes walk over them. And there are many reasons for that, and we can go into them. But but the summary is that um, very many markets are very good at doing marketing, and that's important, right? You yeah. got to do pricing right. You got to do pricing. this is all important. You got to have understand social media. Um, you got to understand uh, distribution, uh, supply chain, all these things. But you have another very big role, which is getting decisions through internally. Yeah. And that is important. And I'd say we could do better. Mm. Yeah. And, and we have to. <laughs> I recently spoke to the brilliant Jan Gooding about that. And, and she talked about one of her experiences when she, I believe it was when she worked at BT. And she actually said it was a pretty horrible experience. But one of the things she learned mm. was that, that piece, that piece about how do you actually get something through? Because... I think, and I've kind of, I've worked in agencies and I'm client side now. And I think one of the things when you're in an agency, you don't realize all the parts of an organization that have to move with you. And that's a huge thing that you, it can't, I don't think you can teach that necessarily in a classroom setting, right? You can talk about it, but like to experience that is, is very difficult. I think that's one of the things you kind of talk about in, in your book as well. I mean, this is the whole idea, right? Because if you think about it, right, we're, with, when someone, you know, wants to get into marketing, right? And they're moving to London, moving to Dublin, you know, want to make it big and getting 500 emails a day, right? And then, you know, have all these ideas and then, and, you know, and they really want to, want to make a big difference. And I know how to do pricing. Maybe they've specialized in some digital and they really want to go. And then they go into the organization and have an idea and then they hit this big wall or sometimes a glass ceiling or sometimes like a wobbly, Wobbly wall, right? But which the the wall the, the wall bounces back, right? It doesn't really shout at you, but it's like you just can't. And then then when you look at this, you understand what's going on because if you think about it, most of the work marketers do is about the future. Mm. Yeah, the future revenue, the future profit. It's twenty twenty two, right? You, you you kind of work on stuff that makes customers come in in twenty twenty three, right? And the problem is you can't prove that it's future. And when someone tells you, I know the future, you think they're mad. <laughs> and, and that's why marketers stand next to people from finance. Everything marketers say is less reliable be, and it, it feels less reliable. And it is, we're not talking about that, but then there is also, there's this big power gap. You already said it, you know, if you want BT or any firm, right. To have a great customer experience, you know, people love the brand and it's great. Mm. Blah, 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 blah. How many people in BT will have to get involved? I mean, literally everybody. Yeah. Right? United Airlines does fantastic ads. And then, you know, some crew at the gate gets a passenger dragged out of a plane, you know, bloody nose and all the TV. In that moment, right, you, you realize as a marketer, you have this big power gap. And then there is, as you know, it technology has given marketers many more opportunities. There's a big fuss around social media and digital, which in reality is probably less powerful than we all believe, but everybody's going crazy about it. Mm -hmm. And people lose confidence because they think, oh, I don't understand all this, right? You, you meet your 28 year old marketers, which then the agencies would call the digital natives, la 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 yeah. la. And then they start by saying, but I'm not a real expert on this, right? And who is, right? Yes. It takes the confidence away. So this is the world we live in, 
So future, you can't prove. Power gap, you will never have enough power. And then you may not be very confident because you think you don't even have all the skills, although even if you may have them. In this world, right, um, you need to realize that that's where you operate in. And we need to give people the tools to manage in this yeah. world and then be effective. That's why you will never be automatically effective. Nobody will, oh, will automatically listen to marketing. No boss will say, yeah, because you guys are right. Everybody else is wrong. It's, it's not how it works. We have to do the work to get the ideas through an organization Despite the, the, the skills gap, despite the power gap, despite this trust gap, this is the job we have to do in marketing. We're just not telling people that. When yeah. we, try, right? we, we only have them experience it once they come into a company. We need to change that. We need to train that much more. And by the way, you can. Yeah. And I think that like, it is really interesting if you think particularly about, you know, maybe younger people coming into an organization and being handed the responsibility to own a brand, you know, which sometimes can happen. Like you become a brand manager early in your career. And being able to then navigate that and, you know, there's people there with more experience and more senior roles. You can feel intimidated by that. I think it was really interesting your point there about talking to a CFO and in marketing, we talk about the future. A CFO will often look like historically, like a performance, right? And they'll try map out to the future as well. But like, don't, like, I, some of the things there is a disconnect in the language being used or just even the, the worldview. Like my wife is an accountant. I'm in marketing, like we see the world totally differently. And I think helping people even understand that can be really, really Im impactful. And um, you talked about, um, like in, in the book, you kind of break it down into, into three, four areas, sorry, like this mobilize your boss, mobilize your colleagues, mobilize your team, mobilize your yourself. I, I loved that kind of way of thinking about it because, it, and the word mobilize, I think was, was well, obviously, well chosen, right? But it because it is about mobilizing people. It's bringing people mm. with you, and then understanding how to how to do that. I think that's right. And and, and by the way, um, we didn't just come come up with this. What we did, indeed, we did. As I told you earlier, it was the largest mm. ever study. So what we did is we had twelve hundred and thirty two very senior marketers. We um, people from over eighty countries, and then INSEAD Business School gave us access to their 360 degree database and wow. that 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 allowed us to look at 68,000 profiles of people so because they have a database where the ceo evaluates the cmo and the cfo and the cfo evaluates the cmo so everybody evaluates each other right so because every person in the database has 12 surveys about themselves in the boardroom so we could really look at like who thinks about whom in what way and when we then looked at this data, and we did not just do some basic correlation analysis, but we, in fact, we, we developed a neural network model that helps you identify the real drivers of success. We want to look at business success and career success. Yeah. And these models are powerful because unlike, you know, just generic correlations, they really see the drivers. By the way, it's a great thing to do with marketing data as well, because you want to look at drivers. You want to look at why is this actually happening, yeah. not why does it happen to be correlating. And when we then looked at everything, then we saw these four areas coming out that indeed success in marketing means you got to help your boss make better decisions. Yeah. Because your boss may be wrong. And many times the boss is wrong. I mean, 
you can list a number of firms where boss have, you know, from Nokia to also, I mean, made bosses go wrong. Yeah. And had they had marketers to help them, would have been better. Then there are the colleagues I told, just talked earlier about the examples. We had BT, United Airlines, and so on. There's so many people involved. If you want to help make the experience better for customers, you got to find a way to talk to them. Right, because if yeah. you just walk into the silo next door with your great idea and say, "Yeah, we're going to do this, and we're going to change the way we work, and we reallocate the budgets," many of your colleagues will just hope you get sucked into a big black hole. Because my is what they care. Yeah. So you got to find a way, right, to engage them. And the and the great techniques, teams. If you have a team that asks for forgiveness and not for permission, that actually goes out and does things on your behalf, that take some risks, controlled risks, obviously. Yes. But much more powerful than having just some people doing the work. And then lastly, you're going to mobilize yourself. This is tricky, right? There will be days when you hate it. <laughs> have a real reason to get up in the morning and say, you know what? I'm going to make that brand bigger. I'm, I'm going to build this. That's why you need to mobilize yourself. And that's, that literally came out of the data. And then we just gave it nice names. Yeah, and it and it and it works. It's because it's um and I was interested actually to understand how you weighed and rated them, but clearly there's like a ton of work went into that because which within each of them there's you know within Mobilize Your Boss, for example, like you have tackle only big issues and the business impact like ten percent career, ten percent. So it's kind of helping you yeah. figure out where the biggest impacts for the business and the biggest impact for your own career and career is. Well, one of the things actually that before I jump into this a bit more more deeply is you talk about the value zone and creating value and an overlap between customer needs and company needs. And I'll be honest, I was a little bit surprised by this as being a, a big disconnect. I was surprised that marketers, there was a disconnect for marketers being able to do that. Is that marketers aren't commercially sound or thinking that way and or are they missing the customer bit i'm just i'd just love to talk about that a bit more yeah thanks thanks for picking up and the value creation zone has is probably the most important idea and if 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 you are listening if anybody's listening to this talk and if you only want to remember one thing please remember this one because it is the biggest driver of impact so here is the idea um, You've probably all seen this, right? Yeah. Um, one of the biggest um, or most dramatic changes in fast food is um, Kentucky Fried Vegan Chicken. <laughs> and I say it in fast food because it's obviously, um, you know, K KFC is large and they are introducing a vegan product. Now, think about this. Um, this has been, a, I mean, it, it looks like, oh, yeah, a new product, right? but internally... This was a this was a dramatic this was a dramatic debate, and the marketing team around Mc, McFerrin and, and and everybody evolved had to fight for years to get the restaurants to accept the idea because they think about right. what the restaurants would say. I come back to the evacuation. I, I yeah. tell you how it's connected. So, if you are a restaurant and if you're one of these franchise uh, uh, partners, you would say, or many have said. There's absolutely nothing vegan in what we do, right? The oil isn't vegan. Our yeah. hands are not vegan, right? The counters are not vegan. I mean, that's because there's, 
we have chicken in the name. <laughs> so you wanna so you wanna bring a product where this cannot be you know, we can't this has to be like we have to separate this completely, yeah. right? You just imagine that's the debate. Now, just think about this. Now, the marketing team of KFC, they knew that customers find this interesting. It's obvious, right? There's a trend. You can do customer surveys. You can do. Um, you, you can look at what's happening in in other industries, right? And you see that vegan currently a little bit damp because people now look for price. But there we are. Yeah. Still, in a, there's a trend here. Yeah. There's a trend. More people want this. And in the same way, many marketers in many firms know. Well, here is something customers want. I've seen this. This is what's important. And most marketers are pretty good at this. And they really have this idea. You can ask every mar- any marketer that I know, and you ask them, what do your customers want? They'll probably tell you 10 things. Yeah. So easy. Not easy, but but that's what people... And a lot of marketers focus just on that. And they say, you know, this is important. I've seen it. Right here's the report. Da, da, da. Now, Meg Farron and her team did something else. Because they said, all right, the company hasn't yet seen it. Right? They don't getting it. So they have in 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 quite a long lengthy process months or months or months proven to the management of KFC to the franchise partners that this is also a very important company need. This is going to make money. We can do this. We've run pilots. We've run more pilots, and we've run even more pilots. And we can do this. You know, we can get the cost okay. We can source this because you know this is not easy to get. I mean, you can't just get like this massive volume there's yeah. a lot of issues involved we can we can change the supply chain so this actually happens we can do the pricing right so this actually doesn't cannibalize in fact it adds to our so all the issues that top management didn't did see as problems they solve them but most importantly they have proven that this is actually driving the business forward so they've shown it's also a company need yeah and then when you take, think about those things as circles, the customer need and the company need, but then you overlap them right? and you have this little zone that happens in the middle. This is the value creation zone. And Meg Farron and her team got the KFC vegan idea into that value creation zone, meaning the top management now said, you know what, that's a real priority. And they felt it's a real priority. This is the challenge. They got it right. Many marketers struggle yeah. because they say something is really important, it's really important, and the top management doesn't see it or doesn't believe it, or it is not on the agenda at all. And if you're not in that value creation zone as a marketer, you're screwed because people will cut your budgets, they will not put you on the agenda, they won't care. And many marketers that I meet could do an even better job trying to figure out what is the top management agenda, right? I mean, yeah. I wake up the CEO at night, <laughs> three things, right? The three things you worry about and not privately, but in the business. Yeah, right? yeah. And then you say three things and, and your brand repositioning project just doesn't fit them yeah. or isn't connected. You're screwed because they yeah. won't care. So the value equation is crucial. Every market needs to get this right. It's changing all the time, right? Because then what customers want is changing. Maybe they don't want vegan next year. Or the next thing is going to come. Yeah. 
top management said now it's all about cost saving, right? Interesting how. To, so that's the job. As a marketer, you have to make this V zone valuation zone larger all the time and make absolutely sure you're smack inside. And it's really interesting because I th- that's fascinating because I actually love that idea of almost like a, a pop quiz within your own marketing team going like, what are the three things our CEO would care about? And almost then you could fact check it with CEO. Like I hope in some ways I might know the yeah. things my CEO cares about. Um, but that is really interesting because I think we do rely heavily on the customer inside. And it's very, very important to know what our customers need yeah. and want, but it's actually converting that into, into true business need, you know, and, and I think one of the, one of the areas you talk about is deliver, deliver returns no matter what. Like I, I find that really interesting because again, I think that tied to the commerciality of, of marketing, like marketing needs to be playing in that, in that area. Well, the question is, what's your job as a marketer? And whether you do brochures, some marketers do brochures, whether you do some details of social media optimization, whatever, or whether you are holistically involved in product price place and promotion, you only have one job. And that is creating sustainable profitable revenue. That's your only job. The only reason why we want your brochure is to make more revenue that is profitable and sustainable. The only reason why we want you to tweak our algorithm in some search blah, right, is because we want more revenue, <laughs> more customers. That's the only job you have. Yeah. Now, and 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 I'm very aggressive about this because <laughs> if someone is believing marketing has any other role than creating sustainable, profitable revenue for the firm, I say they got it completely wrong. Yeah. And Unfortunately, we forget that at times. And then pre- presenting charts, right? To a top, like a friend, you know, did some years ago, to a top management. And he said, you know, the, the five priorities in marketing this year are the uh, segmentation review, and we want to add millennials. We want to um, scale up programmatic across all platforms. And I cite the CEO who said, whatever the fuck that means. And so on and so on. And then people losing their world to live because they're saying, yeah. Why, what, what are they talking about? So you have to have, look, this is with customers, right? You're not going to say to a customer, oh, you are this buying persona and yeah. therefore I believe you are in this segment. You're not going to say that. You say, this is very tasty, right? <laughs> so, or, you know, you know, buy one, get one free or whatever we say. So internally, it's the same thing. If you talk to your wife, you said she's an accountant, right, about uh, that's what we do. That's what, that's what I call marketing or any other things. Yeah. You can talk about this in an emotional way, but you can also say, why are we doing this? And, and accountants may look at data, but they're not stupid. Yes. Right. So they can understand the future. They can understand the brand dream. They get that, but we need to make those connections. So first off, if you don't believe you are involved in creating sustainable revenue for the firm, you got it wrong. You you have your fundamental you have your fundamental approach to marketing wrong. And no matter what detailed role you have, even if you do design, you only do design because you want more customers, right? Yeah. Um, and then we, you got to use language that people outside marketing understand, which is yes. difficult. Just look at the time. I mean, you just type target group analysis, and then you just figure this out. And people understand revenue, customers. Profit, these things yes. they get, right? So let's use that language. It's yes. not yeah. actually quite easy. 
And then someone says, yeah, but I do design. I, I can't tell you how much revenue I make. And I'm saying, okay, what if we cut your role? What's the firm going to lose? Nothing? No, no, it's important. But how important? And I ask people, like, just what are you worth? What's your work worth? Come on, do a, give it a number. And they say, well, can't really say because, you know, everybody's, I mean, if, if you sell the product, but there's also sales and there is operations. I mean, would you ever see a salesperson saying, I didn't sell this one million because right. there was also operations involved and fine? No, they said, I sold this one million. So think about what the firm is chasing. If there's a big goal, say 5 million this year, whatever, associate yourself with it and saying, I'm going to design to help us achieve the 5 million this year. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah? language is a big deal and we, sh- we need to get this right. Are we a two? Can we be too apologetic in marketing then? Like, I, I just think that's really interesting, you know, that we kind of go, well, no, there was, you know, a group of 12 people that worked on this. So it wasn't all just me. And like, I think everyone knows that nobody, nobody's an island. Nobody does these things alone. So like, you know, to your point, like the CEO isn't going to turn to the board and say, well, you know, there was a thousand people that helped me get to this X revenue. Like he's going to go and say, we, we hit the revenue target that you set me, you know, and therefore, you know, bonus and all the good stuff that come with it at that level. So are we too apologetic or we're just not good at it? Um, The majority of marketers have a slightly different personality than the average CFO or chief revenue officer. So here's an example. So we we currently have a, a large group in the fall 2022 Marketing Leadership Masterclass. It's a big group. We're currently working together. It's um, people from all over the world. Although it's online, we still have a live community where we're debating. And a lot of the debate is around the confidence right. to, to, to stand for the own work. And someone wrote earlier, I just, I just, I just opened that uh, two days ago, and she said, look, my problem is, or the challenge I have is... You know, we're doing all this good work. I don't think it's appropriate, yeah, to always show off with our marketing successes. Yeah. And, and then pe- lots of people replied. This is how we're doing this in the class. We have people can in common. And, and here's the thing. In the research, we learned that over 80% of marketers have a profile that we would call an Eros profile. You know, when Eros, remember Eros in the Greek mythology? Yeah. This God, right? And Eros had this incredible power. And they, I mean, he could, with, you know, with, with his arrow, right, make love, make someone love someone else, right? And this is this huge, I mean, very powerful, right? However, Eros was also seen as a little bit of a wild boy. And that's why he never really got a leadership role in the, in the, <laughs> okay. right? it's very interesting. And, and many marketers have an Eros profile, which means, they understand first of all they can create desire they know how to do that yeah understand the connections they're seeing what people saying and what's going on and they really care right um and then they're meeting the other people and again coming back to mythology there is logos right which is the opposite so eros is this and then there's logos logos is the rational power the the numbers the facts the power right i want power and so markets are meeting these people who are very rational, who say, you know, well, what's in it for me? You know, how much is this? How big? And most importantly, who want power? 
Mm-hmm. And many marketers don't necessarily want that power. They're not like, oh, you know, I'm here to do a power grab. They say, no, let's do the right thing. Yes. And other people saying, yeah, but how could I get more people or more budget? So there's this tension, right? And I'm not telling marketers to become logos and do a power grab. It would not feel comfortable for me. But we have to have a stick at the table. Yeah. And does that mean getting out of the comfort zone and sometimes putting our case forward? Sometimes saying this is why this is important and not giving up. Because in marketing, I think the thing we get wrong is we're not here. Marketers are not there to make everybody happy. Right. Marketers' role is to make everybody successful. And if that means, you know, stepping on someone's toe and saying, no, that's wrong. We're not, this is, I'll tell you why. It's important. It's mm-hmm. uncomfortable, but it's what we get paid for. Yeah. Get out of the, if you realize you may have an Eros profile, you may not want power in an organization. You, you got to make your case. Yeah. And I, it's, it's interesting. I've talked to um, Colin Lewis uh, about this as well. And, and we talked about the word power and how the word power in itself can feel almost like a, it's an, it can be an uncomfortable word. And so then it's really interesting, you know, you the way you talk about power, but also the fact that you, you talk about the powers, like the 12 powers of marketing. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's an interesting, you know, articulation of actually what we need to do. Cause you know, you can call them, you know, everyone has their own superpowers, whatever that may be. I think, you know, there's a way of reframing it for people to think about it more in a positive light as, as a use of a word, because it sometimes has more strongly political and maybe aggressive mm-hmm. meaning. But whereas I think you're using it as, as kind of more of a, to power yourself forward is how I kind of read into it. Yeah. We want to, we want to do the right thing. And in organizations, that does mean it's not good enough to have an idea. Yeah. Uh, everybody who has a shower, whoever everybody ever had a shower has an idea, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah so it's not, this is not, you know, a, a good idea is not unusual. There's a lot yeah. of good ideas. The question is, you know, which idea do you make happen? And the good news is the skills you need in an organization to make ideas happen, to mobilize bosses, to mobilize colleagues. They aren't actually that difficult. Um, and it's not about personality. Getting this right is just, these are, you just got to learn those things. Like you learn branding, like you learn pricing. This is not, I mean, marketing is not rocket science, seriously. I mean, the basics of pricing, distribution, supply chain, you know, pr- product development, brand I mean it's not I mean you can learn this yes yeah and the same is true for mobilizing bosses and colleagues you can learn this in fact we've proven this personality as a driver of success in our study uh, was under five percent under five percent yeah so you can't blame your parents (laughs) right it's success in marketing is on you and you can learn these skills. And it, they're not massively complicated. They're, 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 they're easy things. You just got to apply. And that's what we see. You know, we have people, when we train people, and we just have, we had a cohort graduate from the Marketing Leadership Masterclass just two months ago. And people keep now writing us emails and saying, you know, look, 
this works. Surpri- as in like, if this was a big surprise, but is what I've convinced the people I've done this, or I've told a story in a new way and people came along or I created a little movement. Yeah. I have other people push my case and that worked. Or I finally sat down with finance and we did the numbers together rather than me proving to them. And all of a sudden we have a totally new understanding. I mean, these things are easy to learn. Yeah. And but but they completely change the game because leadership skills in the study, and to show you one more number, uh, were over 55% of business impact. Okay. Marketing skills, so the technical skills were 15%, one five. It doesn't mean that marketing skills don't matter. In fact, they're important, but everybody has them. Yeah. It's like yeah. a baseline of, yeah. You got to have this. It's yeah. your ticket. But once you're in, there's a whole different game. And that's why if we get more marketers to get these very basic skills of internal influence, I think we're going to, we're going to rock this. Yeah. Yeah. One of the ones that, um, I wanted to ask you about under mobilize your colleagues. And actually, I remember I, I got to see you speak at the festival of marketing a number of years ago and this one stood out to me and it was, it's walk, walk the halls and it's quite, you know, it's 30% business, 30% career. So it feels quite important. Mm-hmm. And at the time I asked the question, majority of my team were remote. Even then, mm-hmm. this is pre-COVID, pre-work yeah. from home. Yeah. And so walk the halls kind of became a diff- difficult concept for me to, to grasp and grapple with. Now more and more people have experienced remote, are experiencing, you know, work from home or a hybrid work environment. How should or could people navigate walk the halls? You know, and, and I, lo- I do love your phrase that, you know, you won't change the world by sitting at your desk. I do love that. I know you agree with that. Exactly. Change is a, and it comes with the idea, right? If you think about it, if your role is uh, delivering profitable, um, sustainable revenue, no matter what you do, if you design, no matter if you do search optimization, sometimes you have to convince other people to help. And, Mm. and you're right. It's hard to make change happen by email. Yeah. Uh, people don't read emails, as we know. I mean, you can send people. Don't oh yeah. <laughs> um, so you got to find a way to 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 influence. And um, I, I just wanted to, so people see the context of what walking calls yes. actually means. So um, I, I love to tell the story um, of the, the 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 chief marketing officer of a newspaper, the Australian, uh, and and he. Uh, and Ed Smith is his name, and and he got his job, you know, do a put a paywall in front, I, and and journalists at the Australian said, "What a paywall, right?" I mean, this was two or three years ago, so it was still a newer thing, and people hated it. So he could have, he couldn't just do it. So he he indeed walked the hall, so he met people, right? And then he said, "Okay, what do you think?" And he, he, he was quite smart. He didn't say, I'm going to promise you anything. I'm going to, this is not a meeting where we agree. This is a meeting where I just want to hear you out, right? So he did this. He heard people out. They came back, decided what the paywall was, changed it a bit with the input. He went back to people and said, hey, this is what we've decided. This is what you told me, right? This is what we have taken on board. This is what we haven't taken on board. 
And he earned a lot of credit for doing that. So next time a change would come, he he could come again. Right. So this is the hall walking, right? This is getting involved. And um, just two days ago, um, we had the chief marketing officer of Mercer globally, a global, large global consultancy firm, um, Natalie Truong, um, in the masterclass for for a, for a um, fireside chat. And we had that debate. How do you do that? How do you walk the halls, especially, you know, if you, and coming back to your remote. Yeah. Point. And first off, she said, I prefer to meet people face to face, if I'm honest. I yeah. like that. But if I can't, uh, with Zoom and Teams, it's probably never been easier to get 10 minutes of people. Yeah. So if you are a marketer, just think about this, right? Who are the people that are influencing what is happening inside your firm that's influencing your work? And how could you get 10, 15 minutes with them, not to tell them what you want to do, but to flip it and say, hey, I'm interested what you're working on. Because you know we're thinking about how we can help, but but let me let me step back. What is important? What are you trying to do right now? Just imagine you would hear out the ten most important people inside your firm and just listen to them for ten minutes. What yeah. they are actually thinking about, what they're up, perhaps also what their personal things are, and you had that insight. Would that allow you to do a better job? Would that allow you to create a value creation? And would that allow you to come back to that person and say, hey? You told me you're working on, I don't know, you know, Malaysia as a region, and we have an idea. Yeah. This is what hall walking is. And to your point on remote, I believe you can do the same if you are remote. What stops you from saying, I want to talk to those 10 people and ask, send them an email, say, can I have 10 minutes on Zoom with you? Yeah. Now, I know some people rather get drunk together and then they learn even more. That's true. But, you know, I tell you what, you get 80% of it just by doing a Zoom call with people. The only thing you need to do is shut up, right? Because you want to hear what they're working on. You want to listen. And that's the hardest thing, right? Um, so I think you can walk the halls remote. And then whenever you meet people live, do more of it. And I, because that's really interesting. I I also think that you know, and I've seen this with people where people worry about, oh gosh, I couldn't ask the so and so for ten or fifteen minutes of their time. You know, they're so so busy, and and yes, they are typically quite busy people. Yeah. But there's always time, you know, and, and it's not that you want that 10 minutes tomorrow. Like it can be, look, yeah. I'm happy to put 10 minutes in the next three to four weeks, and you know, or whatever. And, you know, I think also people are willing to help other people. You know, so I do think for people listening, kind of going, actually, you know what? I've always put that off. Like, don't put it off. Actually put in the time with the people. And, and I love that, you know, listen mm. to what they're saying, because you'll, you'll glean some incredible insights from just like listening to the words that they have to say and, and something that will almost almost accidentally come out. I did it recently with a load of our senior execs, just asking about more how they, how they respond to people reaching out to them. Right. So we were trying to understand how decision makers react. Mm -hmm. Well, we have a whole load of decision makers in our organization. Mm -hmm. Let's ask them how they react. And to your earlier point, 
none of them read email. They do the base there to read the headline, yeah. But yeah, direct mail actually was one that actually came up as people saying, Oh, I got this really clever thing in the post. I was like, mm-hmm. Oh wow. So anyway, it was fascinating. And you you know, those those things you learn. Um you you talk about um aim aim higher for marketers. And so, you know, you need to have you need to hang on to your dream and make thing big things happen even even against even against the odds. Like as I was reading that, I was like, what does that look like? So if I'm a marketer starting out in my career or through my career and I'm going, I I want to be the CMO. And that's your big dream. Is that what you mean by the big dream? Or is it just like I want to get this project live or is it a combination of the two when you talk about aim higher so we're not going to tell people what their dreams should be <laughs> True, but it's, a good <laughs> idea to, but it's a good idea to have one yeah and um you probably seen the the new playstation that just came out uh, playstation 5 i mean just it's still it's already almost a year out but yeah. it's still out of stock right in many places very hard to get it's sony's most important product and it would not exist um, if it wasn't for Ken Kutaragi, who was a young engineer who had this dream, this idea, and for almost 10 years banged his head against the Sony top management doors because they said, no, we don't want it, we are not interested. And he didn't give up. And it's one of those examples where someone with a dream or a vision has actually uh, changed the game. Yeah. Uh, a friend of mine is the fastest men on earth without legs so he has uh he's 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 um running in the paralympics he's broken literally every single record um he's really fast um you know what was what his dream was when he was 15 i don't want to be in a wheelchair because he had a he was disabled and his his legs were is having were, were deformed and so he's purposely chosen to go for an amputation wow. because the dream was I don't want to be in a wheelchair because if 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 this is going to happen right because it's going to deteriorate so yeah I made a big decision yeah amputation um and and now he's running at the Paralympics and he's a fast and there's nobody faster than he's so and there are many examples of this now you meet marketers said who I never had a dream. I was just very successful and it always I just went from opportunity to opportunity. And then when you really dig deep, then there was still a dream. There was <laughs> something else they were trying to do, like proving my parents I can do it. So the the point is, um because this job is tricky, if you have something you can hang on to that you really want to do, that you love, that you that you dream of, chances are just higher. That you'll get there. Chances are higher that you're braver. We did also mm. the largest ever study on bravery in marketing, and bravery is purpose minus fear. So if you have a lot of fear, right, you can you may not act, but you have if you have a purpose, if you have a dream, if you have something you want to do, maybe you get more. You know, definitely, you will you'll become braver. Uh, you will be less shy because at one point you just get annoyed because you're not making progress. <laughs> That's when we're telling people it's important. The question is, what is your dream? What is it that you want to do? And it's important to find this out. And in January, we'll have <laughs> in the Marketing Leadership Masterclass, everybody stand up 
and tell us what their dream is. And some people are freaking out. Oh, yeah. So, well, you know, you still have, you still have six weeks or eight weeks for that matter. When people do stand up and then talk about their dream and then call us a year later and say, you know what? It's still in my head. I still want yeah. This is amazing what it has to be. So this is what we're encouraging and everybody can have a dream. And I, I mean, that's great because it's not, a, yeah, it's not necessarily about the, and it can be about it, as you say, we're not saying what people's dreams should or could be, but it, it can be anything, you know, and, and it can, that can then just propel you forward, which, which is amazing um, to have that. I mean, you, you wouldn't have a successful um, a podcast like you have with Sets Become Marketing when you, when it wasn't, if it wasn't for something you really yeah. want to do, right? Yeah. Because I'm sure there are days when you hate it or when you, when you just got to do another one, right? But, but it is still something that you really believe and that's how you create successes like you do. Yeah, yeah. No, listen, absolutely. I mean, this was a dream, right? A dream to how can, yeah. I, how can I talk to people who are great at marketing? Right. Mm-hmm. That, that, you know, if that's my, and so this is a great way for me to be able to speak to incredible people and, and then be inspired more myself to do, to do more and, and learn more and, and kind of my own curiosity. Before we run out of time, I want to ask you just a couple of more questions. One was about behaviors, behaviors of marketers. And because you know, I think there's a really interesting balance between, you know, the how and the what like so what you do is what you do but then how you do it is really important like what do you think are kind of some key important behaviors that marketers should 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 have and kind of demonstrate and that's that is a great question because behavior is something we can very easily influence right because you can behave in a different way even if you think uh, not not perhaps in the same way but behavior that's why i like behavioral change right yeah some, can just do and do and do. And then, but if we've done it 15 times or 20 times, we can do it. I think we spoke about many of those things already. I think the first behavior um, is to try and align yourself with the business, not with marketing, not with someone, but with the business as much as you can. You want to behave mainstream. You don't want to behave like, well, but we are special and we're very different, right? Because then you're an outsider and nobody wants you. The second thing is behavioral is is pick language that people in the firm will understand. See what people are talking about, the terms they're using, not in marketing but outside, and can and, and apply those to yourself, to your thinking, to your thinking. Um, another behavior is this, um, you know, going out and speaking with people and getting getting the insights, even if that feels uncomfortable. We have people. Someone just said in the when we had the um, fireside chat with another chief marketing officer uh, four weeks ago, he said, "Yeah, but I'm an introvert. I really hate going out to people." And and it's it is true, but again, behaviorally, right? You can still set up a meeting and go there. It's one on one. I mean, it's possible, right? You got to train this. Yeah, um, I think things. I mean, it's. It's, it's some of those things are not that complicated. And if, if we get more of those behaviors trained, I think we can succeed. And that's what we see. People are training them and they are getting them done. And then you can still be that marketer, the person with the dreams, the person with the magic, right? Yes. You just make it, you just become a much more powerful magician. Yes. Yeah. And, and make it, make it happen. Um, and I think that's, and sorry, it's been great you know, hearing you talk through all of this, because it actually is quite inspiring to think, I think some people 
can sometimes we can get stuck and we can think I, there's no way for me to do this but actually it's proven that there's actually there's a way like you can you can learn these things you can experience them and and maybe actually sometimes you need to you know yeah, maybe it's talking to other people as well understanding their experiences and that will help you navigate things that you're experiencing and even in your own organization there are people who've gone through things that you're going through so find people that you can connect with and can help you you through it and um, as we get towards the end i do have to ask you about kind of the future and so think about the future predict the future thoughts <laughs> um but you know we are in and heading into even more uncertain times you know it's i thought we'd stopped using that language with with covid but it's it's clear you know that that we're <laughs> heading heading that way how should marketers think about leading through this period you know we we don't know how long it's going to go on for us but what would your kind of advice and recommendations be uh, it comes back, and by the way, it's a great question, right? Because um, yes, the new CIM survey just came out, 66% of marketers are less optimistic about the economy, right? Um, inflation, we, we talked about this yeah. in some countries, it's topping you know, 10% and more, right? Your, your barilla spaghetti is 99p anymore, it's now 149. I mean, there's... Insane. Yeah. Big changes. Tech firms tend to lay off entire marketing teams, like thousands, right? Yeah. You're right. It, it is very uncertain. Now, you got to step back. First off, as a marketer, you have to be a linchpin for the organization. If you are confused, it will be very difficult for you to be effective because everybody else is already confused. So people are looking for people who are coming with insights to help navigate this very uncertain period. And this is a great moment for marketers because you're right. It is because we are the experts on future and the future has always been unpredictable. So first off, this is a good moment for you. Number two is I would think about this in a very simple way because nobody here knows exactly what's going to happen next year. I mean, it's impossible, yeah. right? I mean, had we known, would, would we have predicted Russia invades Ukraine? No. I mean, few people have. Some people have said they knew it already, but most people haven't. And so on and so on. COVID, right? Similar. Think about it. Think about it as someone who wants the largest possible value creation zone in your firm. So that means what is actually going on on the consumer side? Technically, yes, price increases, people are losing their jobs. Um, you know, there's, you know, people's, people's expenses are going up, mortgages. I mean, there's all that stuff happening. Emotionally, some people are just freezing because they're saying, damn yes. it, I can't, I mean, it's just, they're contracting. Yeah. Um, so that's what happens on the consumer side. That's important. What's happening on the company side? Right. Well, there's supply chain disruption. Are going to, pipes from China arrive or not? We have no idea, right? We're running out of screws. You know, or, you know, we have all these other problems with, with our, what do we do with prices? You know, our revenue is going down. So you've got to understand, just make a list of what's actually going on right now. And, and then think about what could marketing do now to add significant value? If you then run around and say, yeah, but we need to do a brand positioning project because we already paid for half of the research, you're tone deaf. Yeah. Right. So you're right now, this might be about looking at prices, looking at supply chain. How can you help? 
Yeah, if you're creating brochures, what does that mean? Maybe we don't need as many brochures next yeah. year. Could you yeah. say we should do, but maybe I'm not going to do brochures, but something that if you only were to say, look, you know, in the next 12 months, our role is to be as successful as possible in uncertain times. And I have two or three strong suggestions given what's happening on the consumer side. And so you're already a linchpin. So I don't think this is about predicting what's going to happen in the next two years. Yeah. This is about thinking about the value equation zone. How is it changing? And how could we as a market set priority one, priority two, priority number three to make the value equation zone as large as possible, meaning meeting customer needs better? And that could mean getting the prices down. I don't know. Yeah. Or maybe helping the company which is price again, the prices up. That will make you a linchpin. And I will get you out of the panic where everybody is looking at what's going on. You won't be able to predict this. So look at the facts, rational and emotional now, and make a plan and become a linchpin. And then in two months, review it and maybe uh, you can change it. Yeah, I was going to say, what was really interesting about, about that was you were talking about the value creation zone changing. And I love that because that is, I think, often we can get caught up in, oh, but... I said this over here, <laughs> I'm not going to change my mind now, but actually the world is changing and we have to try to be able to adapt and, and change with it. But I think, and even you talk about one, two or three things, it's not a thousand things either, right? Like it's- No, no you're right. And um, this, is, uh, this is part of a, of a new keynote that I'm currently doing inside many companies. And then people, we, we, after the keynote, we do Q&As and then people saying, is it really that simple? And we're debating that. and. And, and typically, we do find the two or three priorities that we should have going forward. And so, yeah, I think it's a great time for marketing. It's it's a, it's a, it's a shit time if all you want to do is hang on to your budget. But it's a great time if you want to become a linchpin and help the firm go forward. Brilliant. I, lo- I love that. What a, we, what a great place for us to end. Thomas, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thoroughly enjoyed this. I say I got to see, see you speak a number of years ago. Loved it. And this was just a brilliant opportunity to to get to chat to you one-on-one. So thank you so much. Connor, thanks you. Thanks for having me and uh, best of luck with your work going forward. Thanks a million. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode with Thomas. I have read his book, The 12 Powers of a Marketing Leader, a few times now. And each time I take something out of it that is right for me at that moment. So as I'm trying to navigate something in an organization, I find that I need to lean into one of the powers more than another. It's interesting as I talk to more amazing marketing experts, I get to hear the word power being used more and more. And I think the word power has some negative connotations, but actually the more I explore this area, the more I realize it isn't or it shouldn't be. It should be something that we think about positively. It's not about rolling over people to get what you want, And actually a huge part of what Thomas focuses on in his book are powers of positivity, things like trust, inspiration, going first. If you want to find out more about Thomas, visit thomasbarta.com slash only for you. And you could also sign up to the Marketing Leadership Masterclass at marketingleadershipmasterclass.com. So that's it for this episode. Thanks for listening to That's What I Call Marketing. If you did enjoy it, please do share and add comments with your feedback. Follow us on Twitter at that's underscore marketing. And if you or someone you know would be a great guest for the podcast, please do get in touch. I will add an email address into the show description, as well as links to find out more about the great Thomas Barta. 
For me, Connor Byrne, until the next episode, thanks for listening.